listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What is up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. back with you again this week on the podcast. I'm recording this in Brooklyn, New York, the city that never sleeps, New York City, the Big Apple, big city of dreams. We're having a great move of God here right in the heart of the city. And my cousin is just across the river with Festival of Life, Newark, New Jersey. And God's moving in these last days. I'm excited to see all that God's doing. And today uh, we had a question that came in. You know, we've been having people write in uh, on social media and ask questions. And uh, many of them are requesting different uh, subjects for the podcast. We're doing our best to just kind of touch on all the different ones as people write them in. And I have a real treat for you today. But uh, Amanda wrote in asking about the subject of prayer. So Amanda, shout out to you as we get ready to launch this podcast today. And as you guys saw from the uh, title, I'm going to give you uh, this podcast today on the subject of 12 keys that bring answers to prayer. 12 Bible keys that bring answers to prayer. Have you ever prayed and felt frustrated like your prayers weren't being answered or you didn't know if you were doing it properly or if there was anything that was holding your prayers back from being answered? Today's podcast is just for you. These 12 things that I'm going to show you, by the way, are uh, excerpts from our Miracle Word University course on answered prayer. So I'm getting ready to take you into uh, a few of these videos to make up this podcast today on 12 keys that bring answers to prayer. This is directly from Miracle Word University. And if you don't know what Miracle Word U is, it's something that God spoke to me to start about a year and a half, uh, two years ago um, when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Lord uh, dealt with me about starting an online training school for those that want to go deeper in the things of God, deeper in the word, and to learn more and gain more revelation from God's word. And less than a month and a half after God spoke to me to do it, we launched Miracle Word University. And I would love for you to check it out. Uh, you can find it at MiracleWordU.com. MiracleWordU. Dot com And we have courses there. Uh, each course is about five hours of teaching. And each course is only $69 for the entire thing. There's no start date. There's no end date. You can do it at your own pace. Uh, there's probably somewhere between you know 15 and 20 videos in each course making up that five hours of teaching. But this podcast today is from our course entitled Answered Prayer. And I want to do something special for all of you that listen to the podcast. I would like to give you a 25% off discount for those of you that would like to take the course on Miracle Word University. All you have to do when you go to miracleword.u.com is click on the Answered Prayer course and in the checkout, type in the coupon code PODCAST. Just type in podcast as you're checking out. That will give you 25% off 
of this course. And I guess instead of being $69, it'll be somewhere around $50. So I want to do that for all of you guys that are listening to the podcast. I love you so much. So let's go ahead and jump in today to these uh, videos that we're going to give you the audio of called 12 Keys That Bring Answers to Prayer. And I'll be back at the end to pray with you. So in these next few videos, I want to deal with 12 keys that bring answers to prayer. 12 keys that bring answers to prayer. You know, many people pray and they wonder, how come my prayers are not being answered? These 12 things will open your eyes from the Word of God to show you what it takes scripturally for prayers to be answered. Do you know there are things in life that could stop your prayers from being answered? And the enemy wants you to fall into the trap of these things so that you spend your time praying, but your prayers are fruitless. They have no return. They have no harvest. They have no answer. So I want to take these next few videos to show you from God's word how to pray so that your prayers will always receive an answer. Today, in this first video, the the first thing I want to show you is that you have to pray with a humble heart. Pray with humility. I want to take you to the book of James, chapter 4. We're going to read three verses of Scripture. The Bible says this in verse 6 of James 4. But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so the Bible says that God resists those that are proud, but then he gives more favor, more grace to the humble. So praying with a heart of humility is one of the things that causes your prayers To be answered, pride, the Bible says, goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So God resists or turns his face away from those that are proud. Look at what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 34. The Bible says, towards the scorners or the mockers or those that are uh, uh, proud, he is scornful. Towards the scorners, he's scornful. But to the humble, he gives favor. To the humble, he gives favor. It seems when you read this passage as though that God is mirroring what is written in Psalm chapter 1. Very interesting what what Psalm 1 says. Listen to this. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners, or in the seat of scoffers. Talking about proud, the proud. Those who mock the ways of God. Those that are uh, in a, an, with a haughty spirit that say, my way is higher than God's way. When the Bible plainly says uh, that God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And so when you mock God, when you have a haughty heart, a proud heart, the Bible says, that God resists you or turns his face away from you or is scornful toward you. But when you have a humble heart, a heart of humility, the Bible says these people are like a tree planted by streams of water that bear fruit in every season. 
Their leaves never wither, and they'll prosper in all they do. That he gives more favor, more grace to the humble. So a humble heart is paramount when you're praying. You've got to be somebody who understands that God knows what we don't know. God has a way that he does things, and we have to conform to his way, not force our way. In fact, humility is powerful. Meekness, as as one uh, verse of scripture calls humility, meekness. If you go to Matthew chapter 5, a meek spirit, a humble spirit, do you know what it does for you? It actually opens up the way for you to receive your inheritance from God. Look at this, Matthew chapter 5. The Bible says uh, in verse 5 of Matthew 5, blessed are the meek or the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Think about that. The meek, the humble will inherit the earth. So humility, meekness is a prerequisite to receive your inheritance from God. But God said pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Think of it this way. If you're taking notes. Pride goes before destruction, but humility goes before promotion. Pride goes before destruction, but humility goes before promotion. So the first thing you've got to have is a humble heart. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, we've dealt with this verse of scripture in other videos. But God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. He see that there, the prerequisite to their prayer. If they will humble themselves and pray, then I'll hear from heaven. Humility is the first step in prayer, preparing yourself to be in the presence of God by humility. In fact, if, if you watch the videos where I taught on the order of prayer, that's why we always begin with thanksgiving and we begin with praise because we begin to realize anything good we have in our life didn't come from us. My hands cannot get me what I need. My mind cannot get me what I need. But the Bible tells us that promotion can't come from any man. Psalm 75 verses six and seven, the Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord. He decides who will rise and who will fall. So if I've been rising, it has nothing to do with me. I'm not the one that can cause myself to rise. I can't bring promotion to myself. Only God can bring promotion, the Bible says. So when we begin our prayers by thanking God for what he's already done, by praising him for who he is and what he's already done, what we're saying is, God, I attribute to you all the glory for the good things that have gone on in my life. You know what that is? Humility. That is meekness. It's saying, God, I can do nothing by myself, but uh, through Christ, I can do all things. See, so humility says, God, without you, I'm nothing. With you, I'm everything. It attributes the glory and the praise to him. That's what a humble heart, that's what a meek heart truly does. It's not weakness. People think meekness is weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength. Meekness is actually receiving the strength of God to to receive increase and promotion through your life and through your prayer life. So number one, if you want your prayers to be answered, you have got to have a humble heart and make pride leave your life. Number two, 
The second thing you've got to have if you want answers to prayer is you've got to have scriptures to stand on. Scriptures to stand on. Anytime you pray, you've got to be praying based upon the written word of God. Why is that? Because the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12, that God is watching over his word to perform it. We've dealt with this in other videos, but you need to understand that this book, this written word of God is the only thing God is required to honor. This is the thing that he has bound himself to. God can't do anything he wants to do. If he could, the Bible says he's willing none should perish. So that means every person in the world would receive Jesus as their savior and nobody would go to hell. Because God is willing that none should perish. So if he could do anything he wanted to do, he would make sure that not one person ended up in hell. But God can't do anything he wants to do. He has to do what his word said he would do. And his word said that if you want to be saved, you've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. That is the prerequisite to being saved. So God cannot save any person who does not confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. So God doesn't do anything he wants to do. He does what his word says he will do. So when you're praying to God, if you want answers in prayer, you've got to find scriptures that you can stand on by faith and watch God perform, not your desires, his word. God doesn't perform. He's not watching over your desires to perform them. He's watching over his word to perform it. You know, the reason for that is sometimes our desires aren't spiritual desires. Many times they're carnal desires. It's like I heard a story of a, a preacher that said a man in his congregation came up to him and said, I want you to agree with me in prayer. He said, what do you want me to agree with you about? He said, see this other woman here in the church? I want you to believe God with me that she will be my wife. And the preacher said the only problem with the man's prayer request was he already had a wife and she already had a husband. So there's no scripture you're going to find in the Bible where God breaks up two marriages in order to form another marriage. No, the Bible says what God has joined together, let no man put asunder or divide. So God's not going to break his own word to answer the carnal desires of that ignorant man. So when we pray, we have to pray based upon the written word of God. If you can't find it in here, then it's not worth praying about. But if you've got a need, say, for example, you're believing for healing, find scriptures like 1 Peter 2.24 that says, by whose stripes, talking about Jesus, we were healed. And you begin to stand on scriptures like that. And when you go to God, you rehearse and remember those scriptures and quote them back to him. Not because he's forgotten. He wants to know you have faith in his written word. And the Bible says, when you do that, Jeremiah 1.12 declares he's watching over his word to perform it. Did you know that the word is even more powerful than the name of God? That his name backs up his word. Or another way to say it is this, that his word is actually backed up by the integrity of his name. God cannot be made to be a liar. That's why the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. God is never a liar. He is the truth. And Psalm 138 and verse 2, the Bible says, I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. One translation says that your word is backed up by the power of your name. 
Well, another translation says it this way, that Lord, you have exalted your word above your name. So you understand the word of God is the most powerful force in the universe. So when we put it in front of God, once again, in remembrance, God honors his written word when you pray the word of God. If you have your Bible, I want you to go with me to John chapter 15 and verse 7. When I was in Bible school, this was the premier verse that Brother Kenneth Hagin used to teach on prayer every single day for an entire semester. John chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus is speaking and teaching on prayer. He says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Abide in me. So you have to belong to Christ. You have to belong to God. You have to be in Christ. And then secondly, and my words have to abide in you. We dealt with the fact that the abundance of your heart has to be filled with the mighty word of God. And when it is, the Bible said that out of your the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. So your prayers will come from the abundance of your heart, which contains the word of God. And when it does, the Bible declares You can ask for whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. You notice there it says, whatever you will, but that's because his words are abiding in you, so what you will will be in accordance with what he wills. When somebody's full of the mighty word of God, they won't start giving carnal requests to God. Their requests will be spiritual because their heart will be filled in abundance with his word. And he said, when you begin to pray like that with scriptures to back up what you're believing for, you can ask for whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. Number three, the third key that brings answers in prayer is an attitude of faith an attitude of faith with the absence of doubt. And I'm going to explain that in just a second, but an attitude of faith with the absence of doubt. I want you to look at this with me. uh, And this is so important. James chapter one, once again, James chapter one, we're going to look at verse uh, seven. And really you could read verses six through eight, but let's just focus on seven. And the Bible says this, a person who is driven by the wind and tossed, must a double-minded man must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Anything. Look at verse six. Let that man who's praying ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And that person, who? The person who doubts in his heart should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So when doubt creeps in to your prayers, unbelief creeps into your prayers, God cannot answer prayers of doubt and unbelief. The Bible says very clearly here, don't let that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. Look at Mark chapter 11, very interesting passage of scripture. Uh, And then we're going to look at Mark chapter nine at the story of Jesus casting the demon out of the, uh, the son that was brought by the parents. But Mark chapter 11, powerful scripture, verse 24, look at this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Verse 23 says this, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and be thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. 
So you see that Jesus is teaching once again, that if you're going to pray, if you're going to command things in prayer, you have to believe and not doubt in your heart. Faith is required in order for the promises of God to be manifested. Flip back two chapters and look at this as Jesus cast the demon out of a boy that was mute and deaf since birth that tried to continue to kill the boy by suicidal attempts. And the Bible says the disciples couldn't cast the demon out and Jesus instantly cast it out. But look at the, uh, the confession of the boy's father. This is so interesting. The Bible says um, in verse 22, uh, he's explaining that this demon's been with my son since childhood. Verse 22 says, and it often has cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. Look at this, Jesus' response. Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible to the one who believes. All things are possible to the one who believes. Think about this now. Anything is possible when you attach your faith to God's word. Anything is possible when you attach your faith to God's word. Immediately, verse 24, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. So that's why I said in this third key to answered prayer, an attitude of faith with the absence of doubt. It's, it's possible to believe that God can, but still doubt that he will for you. You know, there's so many people in the body of Christ. If you ask them, do you believe God can heal the sick? Oh yeah. God's all powerful. I believe he can heal the sick. Well, do you believe he'll heal you? Well, I don't know. I've had a lot. So what are they doing? They have an attitude of faith about God, but they don't have the absence of doubt in their life so they can't receive. That's what the, the boy's father said. I believe, but help my unbelief. And the cure for unbelief, the cure for doubt is to receive teaching from the word of God, to receive preaching from the word of God. For the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you are experiencing doubt and unbelief in your life, then fill your heart with the word of God being preached and taught by men of God that are filled with the Holy Ghost. And doubt will leave your life. Unbelief will leave your life. Do you realize unbelief and doubt are such powerful obstacles that when Jesus himself went back to his hometown of Nazareth to perform miracles for those people, the Bible says he couldn't do any mighty work there because of their unbelief. And Jesus was blown away at the level of their unbelief. And the Bible says, and so he began to go around that, the region preaching and teaching in the synagogues because preaching and teaching is the cure for unbelief. And so if you're going to receive answers to prayer, you've got to pray believing in your heart, no doubt present. And that comes from the pure, unadulterated word of God being shot into your spirit by preaching and teaching. Number four, the fourth key to have answers to prayer in your life is a thankful spirit. As we dealt with in the order of prayer, once again, thankfulness has to be one of the ingredients in your prayer life. There's no question about it. This is not optional. Thankfulness has got to be a, an element in your prayer life. Look with me at Psalm 50, and uh, we're going to read one verse of Scripture, Psalm 50 and verse 23. Look what the Bible says. It says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. 
to one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. So God shows his salvation to one who orders his way rightly and gives thanksgiving unto God. Thanksgiving causes answers to prayer. Hallelujah. So that's why we start our prayers in thanksgiving and praise, because we know they are two tools given to us by God that cause answers to come. Go to Psalm 116, look at verse 17. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. So the psalmist understood before I call on the name of the Lord, I've got to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. It's so important. And of course, we read in Philippians chapter four and verse six uh, that we've got to do with with thanksgiving and supplication, make our requests known unto God. Finally, let me show you one verse of scripture found in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 30. And let's look at verse 19. The Bible says, I love this verse. I love it. Out of them shall come songs of thanksgiving and the voices of those who celebrate. Now watch, here's what happens when people begin to give God thanksgiving and songs of celebration about what he's done. Look at this. And then I will multiply them and they will not be small or few. I will make them honored and they shall not be small. Hallelujah. So when you engage in a lifestyle of thanksgiving, God said he will personally honor you and you will expand. You'll not be small. You will continue to expand, increase, enlarge, and grow, and you'll not be few. You'll be many. God will cause exponential growth and increase to come on the person whose life mirrors a life of thanksgiving and a life of praise. These four things that make up the first four of 12 keys that bring answers to prayer have got to be in your life. So let's continue with these 12 keys that bring answers to prayer. Number five, the fifth key that brings answers to prayer is a premature praise. What is a premature praise? Well, obviously it's not premature in God's eyes, but in the world's eyes, it would be because you're praising God before you ever get your answer to the prayer. You're praising God because you believe that a Mark, that Mark chapter 11 verses 23 and 24 are true, that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So because we believe we received at the moment when we prayed, we can also praise God, what seems like to the world prematurely, because the blessing's not in our hand yet. But God's word says the moment we prayed, he answered us. So I begin to praise God and I give him this life, lifelong praise because his word is true. Psalm 100 and verse four, the Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This lifestyle of praise has to be attached to your prayer life. In fact, when you combine prayer and praise together, they're actually cousins. They're like two peas in a pod. They go together. They feed off of one another. Study the story of Paul and Silas. The Bible says that they had already been beaten on their backs, put into an inner dungeon for working the works of God. And the Bible says that at midnight, they prayed and sang praises unto God. 
And when they had finished praying and singing praises, the Bible says the prison shook and the Bible declares every door came open and every chain fell off and they were made free because of their prayer and because of their praise. So praise has to be in the life of every believer in order to receive answers to prayer. I heard Brother Hagin tell a story one time as he was teaching, Brother Kenneth Hagin, he said that uh, he was asking God and talking to God about why so many people's prayers were not answered. How come people are not seeing answers to their prayers? And God gave him a vision. And he began to see old school scales. Like if, if you remember like oh, scales that they would weigh uh, produce or goods. And uh, he said on one side, he saw the word prayer. And on the other side, he saw the word praise. But prayer was weighted all the way down to the bottom and praise, the side of praise, was way up in the air. And God showed him this vision, and he said the reason people haven't received answers to their prayers is because they've been praying, 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 but they've not obeyed my word to praise me for the answers. He said, and when your praise equals your prayer, you'll see the breakthroughs come. When your praise equals your prayer, you'll see the breakthroughs come. It's interesting to me that when Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, the prison shook, the doors came open, chains fell off. Praise is a potent tool to open up the windows of heaven and to receive the mighty blessings of God. All throughout the Bible, supernatural things happened as people praised God. I mean, the walls of Jericho that nobody thought would ever come down. The people in the city felt so safe. Their walls were so thick that you could run chariot races on the top of the walls of the city. The people of God just did what God said. And on the final day of marching around that city, they began to blow on their, on their ram's hordes and began to shout praises unto God. And the walls came crumbling down. Praise has the ability to open doors, to break chains, to cause walls to crumble, barriers to be removed. And so when you combine your praise with your prayer, breakthrough will always come as a result of the two being combined together. Number six, the sixth thing we've got to have to bring open doors in our prayer life, the sixth key is an active confession. An active confession. Don't cancel your prayers out by then speaking wrong things, negative things, doubtful things over your life. Your words are seeds that create an atmosphere, that create a manifestation. Why? Because God's words are seeds that are alive. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, God spoke and said, my word, when it goes out of my mouth, it never comes back to me empty or void, but it always accomplishes the thing I sent it to do. So because we were created in the likeness and in the image of God, then we understand that our words carry power just like God's words. That's why the Bible declares, in fact, if you have your Bible, I want you to open with me to the book of Proverbs. And uh, I want to show you how powerful this principle really is. Look at this. Proverbs 18 and verse 21. The Bible says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And so when you speak, there's power in your words. Many times 
what happens to people is they pray a prayer unto God, believing for something to take place. But in the time that they're waiting for that thing to take place, they, they allow doubt and unbelief to creep in. And the devil lies and says, see, you prayed and nothing happened. You prayed and God didn't move. Maybe your prayers don't work. Maybe prayer doesn't work. But as my father has preached for many years, there is a season of your faith that takes place from when you pray to when you receive the answer. That's the time of the battlefield. That's when the battle goes on in your mind of whether or not God's going to do what he said he would do. And when you have a positive confession, see, you continue to say, thank you, Lord. It's already done. Anytime the thought comes back to you of what you prayed about, don't pray again. You don't need to pray again. Once was enough. You prayed and God said, I hear you and I'm answering your prayer. You believe you receive at the moment you pray. And when you do, when that comes back to your mind again, whatever you prayed about, just thank God. Let thanks come out of your mouth. Say, thank you, God. You've already dealt with the situation. Thank you, my body's healed. Thank you, my finances are blessed. Thank you, there's peace in my mind. Thank you, my relationships are being restored. Anytime it comes back into your mind, don't pray again. Thank God that it's done. Praise God that it's done. That's keeping a positive confession and not speaking death over what you've prayed, but speaking life over what you've prayed. A singleness of mind. The Bible says in James uh, chapter 1, in verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't let that man think he'll receive anything. So when you continue to stay single-minded in your prayer life with your confession, your prayers, your thankfulness, and your praise, then it allows God to continue to work on your behalf. And if you're going to have answered prayer, you have got to have an active faith confession. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Next, You've got to have, the next, the next key is, you've got to live a holy life. A holy life. Why? Well, as we've covered in another video, the Bible says that if any man regards iniquity in his heart, the Lord will not hear him. Sin is one of the things that kills answers to prayer. The Bible says that God is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. And so we've got to understand a holy life is required if we want to access the mighty blessings of God. Let me show you what the Bible says regarding that in the book of Psalms, Psalm 84 and verse 11. Listen to this. For the, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. If you live righteously, there's not one good thing God will hold back from your life. If you'll keep sin out of your life, let me show you. I mean, all through the Bible, it's not just in one scripture. Job chapter 36 and verse 11, God speaks and says, if they listen and serve him, or excuse me, Elihu is exalting God's greatness in this passage. Elihu says, if they will listen and serve God, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. So only prerequisite there to obey the word and to serve God. That's holiness. That's setting yourself apart, not disobeying his word, but living for him. 
He said they'll spend all their days in prosperity. All their years will be spent in pleasures. It's echoed again by Jesus in the New Testament when he says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, look at this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added unto you. Time after time after time, the Bible tells us when we decide to live holy before the Lord, to stay in righteousness. In fact, Jesus was saying that in John chapter 15. He said, if you abide in me, that's holiness, abide in me and my words abide in you. You can ask for what you will and it shall be done. A holy life is a prerequisite. You've got to have it if you want to see your prayers answered by God. A a holy lifestyle. I mean, think about this. God's looking for people. You know, uh, I, I was I was doing some study on this, and I found that obviously we know the way God knows whether or not we love him is whether or not we obey his word. John 14 and verse 21, Jesus is teaching. He said, those that accept my words and obey them, it is them who loves me. And I will love them, and my Father will love them, and I will manifest myself to them. So the manifestation is coming through our obedience to God's word. And as I begin to study our love for God, you know what I found out? That God's actually actively searching for people who love him and obey his word so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. That's what the Bible says. I mean, if you begin to study the way the the word of God talks about obedience, God said, the eyes of the Lord, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the earth, looking for people whose hearts are turned toward him. He said, on their behalf, I will show myself strong and mighty. The eighth key to answered prayer is a focused request, a focused request. What does that mean? It means you are specific with what you're asking God to do. That's why the Bible says, and we'll read it together, Philippians chapter four and verse six, once again, powerful verse of scripture. The Bible says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Faith needs a target if it's going to have a harvest. You have got to have specific requests ready for God. If you don't have a specific request, how would you know whether or not your prayers were answered? You know, I was listening to uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin teach on prayer once, and he said when he was a pastor, he used to call everybody down to the altar uh, many times at the end of the service uh, in his church and just have people pray. And he said he got interested to do a little poll with his people. So as everybody's kneeling at the altar or standing or sitting in the front pews, he would just walk among the people of his church. And every now and then he'd stop and tap somebody on the shoulder and he'd say, what are you praying about? And they'd say, what? And he'd say, what are you praying about? What are you praying for? And they'd say, well, you know, I don't know. I'm just praying. He'd say, yeah, I know you're praying, but what are you praying for? What are you praying about? And he said he couldn't believe the high percentage of people that he would ask, I mean, over 70% of people, that when he asked them, what are you praying about? What are you praying for? They couldn't even give him an answer. They didn't have anything specific they were praying about. He said, the problem with that is, he said, how do you know if you're praying, how would you even know if God answered your prayers if you don't even know what you're praying about? So prayer has got to have specific requests 
As I said before, you can't base your prayer on any given scripture if you don't know what you're praying about. I can't pray for you for healing and, and don't know I'm praying for healing, so I use scriptures for deliverance. It doesn't work that way. And so we have to have a focused request. That's why when I was growing up, you know, many churches, you know, that, that religious mindset of somebody raising their hand during the prayer request portion of the service, pastor, I have an unspoken prayer request. And you heard that all the time when I was growing up, but that's not scriptural. There is no such thing as an unspoken prayer request. Make your requests known unto God. That way your faith can have a target. We've got to be specific. The more specific you get in prayer, the more specific your answers will be when God answers your prayers. And so you've got to be very specific in order to have your prayers answered. So let's finish these 12 keys to answered prayer. Number nine, the ninth thing you've got to have is not only, as we finished the last video, a specific request, but you've also got to have a bold request. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we've got to boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because we're not peasants. We're not workers. We're not servants. We are children of God, a God who wants to bless us, a God who wants to give us uh, deliverance and increase. And so the key, when we ask him, faith asks boldly, and we've got to have that kind of a boldness in our own spirit. I want you to go with me to the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 45, and take a look at this. Isaiah 45 and verse 11, uh, the Bible says, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him, uh, Ask me of things to come, and command me concerning the works of my hands. Ask me of things to come and get that. That sounds almost sacrilegious. And command me concerning the works of my hands. It's not a question here. It is God telling you to make your requests. As one commentator wrote, he said, this is God showing us, and then it can be mirrored in many other scriptures throughout the Bible, that our prayers can cause God to take actions that he would not previously have taken if we had not prayed. Think about that for a second. There are things God would not have done unless we first prayed. And so God is saying here in Isaiah 45, ask me of things to come and command me concerning the works of my hands. That's bold to say, God, I'm going to ask you to do something and command concerning the works of your hands, ask you to do something personally for me. That's bold. But the Bible says we've got to boldly approach the throne of grace. Look with me in the, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. John chapter 15, well, let's look at verse 16. Look at this. God's, Jesus is teaching here. He says, you did not cho choose me, I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he will give it to you so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. That's the word of God. And so when we come to God to ask him, we ask him boldly with expectation that he will do what he said he would do. Number 10, the 10th key to answered prayer is to pray in Jesus name. 
to pray in Jesus' name. That's how we approach the Father in the New Testament. We, we talk to God in the name of Jesus. Look, look at that with me. Going back to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, and look at verse 23. The Bible says this. Jesus is speaking once again. In that day, talking about the day we're living in, you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Why? Well, it's because the name of Jesus is the highest name that there is. In fact, in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, God gave unto Jesus a name that is above every other name, that at that name, every knee must bow and every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So anything that's got a name also has a knee. That means it's not just uh, human individuals that have to bow. It's not just demons that have to bow. Sickness has to bow. Cancer must bow to the name of Jesus. So when you pray in the name of Jesus, you are invoking the highest name in all the universe. That at that name, every other knee has to bow. Anything you may be facing in life. That's why Jesus said, ask the Father in my name and he will give it to you. You've got to have the name of Jesus in prayer. There's no other name like the name of Jesus Christ. Did you know the Bible says that at that name, demons tremble? Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Do you know it was so powerful that uh, there were others that were trying to use the name? They saw the power that was just in the name. And there were people that tried to just use the name of Jesus in the New Testament because they knew the name itself carried power. So you go to stories like Acts chapter 19, where you see the seven sons of a priest named Sceva that were exorcists, that were casting out demons in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says they came upon one demon that they didn't have more power than this demon. In Acts 19, they came across a demon-possessed man and said to him, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, (laughs) come out. And the Bible says they didn't have sufficient power to cast him out. And so the demon actually beat them, stripped them, and sent them running back down the road bruised because they didn't have a relationship with the name that they were praying with. But the Bible declares they understood that there's power in that name. And at that name, every knee has to bow. Well, Paul was never beaten by demon-possessed people. Jesus was never beaten by demon-possessed people. They bowed and they came out. When those men did it. Why? Because they understood the power that they were operating in. You've got to have the name of Jesus. An interesting verse uh, of scripture I'm going to get ready to show you for uh, the 11th key to answered prayer is found in Ezekiel chapter 14. Maybe you've never seen this before. I wouldn't be surprised uh, because this kind of stuff is not preached as much anymore. But in Ezekiel chapter 14, I want to show you that one of the keys to answered prayer is putting God first in your life. We know that one of the Ten Commandments is, I will have no other gods before me. That doesn't just mean idolatrous gods, you know, Buddha or, you know, Krishna, Shiva or uh, Muhammad or or Allah, the, the Muslim God. It's not just about 
you know, idolatry in that way, but anything else in your life that you allow to come before God, it begins to hinder your prayers being answered. I want to show you this in Ezekiel chapter 14, and I want to read to you verse number three. Look at this. Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Look at this. Should I indeed let myself be inquired of them or consulted of them? This translation says. So God's saying, why would I let anybody ask things of me? Why would I let anybody inquire of me, consult of me, or request blessings from me if they've got other things that are ahead of me? That's the attitude of God. That it, uh, see, total dependency on God is faith. And the Bible declares in the book of Romans chapter 14, anything that is not of faith is sin. And so if we're going to receive answers to prayers, our faith has to be completely placed in God alone. In God alone. No other gods before him. Do you know what a big, one of the big gods of America is? I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to step on some toes here. The, one of the big gods in America that Christians in America have placed their faith in is pharmaceutical drugs. Pharmaceutical drugs. They've become a god to many Christians. I got to have my pills. I got to have my shots. I got to have this. I got to have that. And they run to the doctor. They run to their pills. They run to the pharmacist as though that's their healer. He didn't say, I'll give you a pharmacist and he'll be your healer. He said, I'm the God that heals you. I'm the God that heals you. I'm so sick of hearing testimonies in Pentecostal churches where people stand up and say, praise God, God healed me of cancer. After six months of chemotherapy, the cancer went into remission. I want to give all glory to God. Who gets the glory? Does the chemotherapy get the glory or does God get the glory? See, pharmaceutical drugs have become a God to many people, causing them to put their faith in something else that is not God. And God said, if they've put these things ahead of me, why should I answer their requests? Why does God need to answer your prayers to heal you if you're just going to depend on, on prescription medication? Why does God need to answer his pr- your prayers to heal you if you're going to put your faith all the time in doctors and every time a new symptom comes on you, you're going to run down to the hospital, run down to the pharmacy. Oh, it's flu season, better get my, get my uh, medication out and get ready. It's, oh man, it's, I got allergies, man. It's allergy season. I better get my allergy medication out. If you're going to put other things before God, why, as he said in Ezekiel chapter 14, should be, he be inquired of from you? Why should he be consulted by you? Why should he receive requests from you? If we want God to answer our prayers, our faith is in God alone. Total dependency on our God. And number 12, proper motives in prayer. We've got to have proper motives in prayer, not selfishness. Our our motives in prayer cannot be selfish. As I said in another video, I heard a preacher say one time, if every one of your prayers was answered, and at the end of all the answers, you're the only one that got blessed, you're not praying correctly. Because prayer is not a selfish thing. It's, that's one type of prayers to receive blessings from God, but that's only one of the eight we covered in this course. And so uh, our prayers have to be have the right motives behind them if God's going to bless us. Look at James chapter 4. And let's read from verse number three. 
the Bible says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions or your own lusts, you adulterous people. That's what the book of James says. The reason you're asking and not receiving is because when you received what you would ask for, you would just spend it on yourself. You would consume it on yourself. You would just consume it upon your own lusts or your own desires. And that's not what God's looking for. God doesn't want us to just be stagnant ponds where all of the waters of blessing that are rushing in end with us. He wants us to be pipelines of his blessing. You may have heard this old cliche in church, and just because it's you know a cliche doesn't mean it's not true, but if God can get it through you, he can get it to you. What that means is, is that blessing doesn't stop with you. It flows through you. God wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. That's what God told Abraham. He said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. So if you're blessed in the Abrahamic order of blessing, as the Bible teaches you are in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, then the reason for that is so that you don't consume all of your blessing upon yourself. Obviously, we're to tithe from our blessing. We're to give from our blessing. We're to bless the poor from our blessing. All of these things go out, helping others, blessing others, being an asset to the world, not a liability. And he said, when you become somebody like that, then I have the ability to bless you. But your motives have got to be correct. Not selfish motives, but motives to be a blessing around the world. And he said, that's the reason that people ask and do not receive. Their motives are incorrect. And with that in mind, let me give you a bonus, 13th key to answered prayer before we end this video. And it's actually found in Proverbs chapter 21. This makes, you know, I can honestly say it makes religious people mad when they hear things like this. Go to Proverbs 21 and verse 13. One of the ways that you can be sure your prayers will be answered is by you continually blessing the poor. Look at this. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, verse 13, whoever closes his ear to the cries of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Look at that. He who closes his ears to the cries of the poor will himself cry out and his cries will not be answered. You know, you write that and people say, well, what, we, we bless the poor so we can get blessed? Yes, because God said that in his word. In fact, did you know God will never let you do anything to bless the poor that he won't repay you for doing? The Bible says that he who lends to the poor, the Lord will repay him. God never does ask us to do anything in his word without the promise of a reward on the other side. God is a reward-based God. Hebrews 11.6 proves that where the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I mean, all the way back to David and Goliath. Do you know David did not kill Goliath for the principle of killing Goliath to silence the man that was just blaspheming the almighty God. David asked a question in 1 Samuel 17, 26. He said, what's to be done for the man that kills this Philistine? And they told him the answer. He'll get to marry the king's daughter. He'll get to all the blessings. They listed them. Oh, 
Then he decided, all right, I'll take on the, I'll take this battle on because I want the rewards. And the Bible says David is a man after God's own heart. So David understood God's heart is he wants to reward his children for anything they do for him. And David knew that. That's why he killed Goliath. Not for the principle, for the reward. And the same is true. When you bless the poor, the Bible says God will not close his ears to your cry. When you hear their cry and you answer, God will hear your cry and he'll answer you. God, I mean, all through the scripture, Old Testament and New, we are commanded to be a blessing to the poor. It doesn't mean we can eradicate world poverty. That'll never happen because Jesus said the poor you'll have with you always. There'll always be poor people around. But the Bible says that we're to never stop blessing the poor. When you hear their cries and you begin to bless them, the Bible says God will hear your cries and he will answer you. These 13 things are keys that must be a part of your life if you want to see your prayers answered. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast today. Listen, I want to say thank you for being a listener of this podcast. And by the way, if I didn't mention at the beginning, go ahead and share this today with somebody. Put it on your social media. Put it on your Instagram story. Let people know you're listening to the podcast. If there was a quote you heard today that really stirred your spirit, built your faith, include that quote. Tag me in it. I appreciate it. I love you guys so much. But let me pray for you at the end that not only are you seeking answers to your prayers, but I want to pray that God gives you a heart and a desire to pray like you never have before. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every man and every woman that's listening to the podcast today that you would give them a hunger and a desire to pray and to seek your face like never before. Father, your word declares in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Give us a new hunger today to be in your presence, to pray, to speak to you, to read your word. Use us mightily in these final hours of time. We thank you for that. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Don't forget, those of you listening to the podcast, I'm giving you that special 25% off discount on this course called Answered Prayer at MiracleWordU.com. You can just browse there, use the coupon code podcast at checkout and you'll get that 25% off. I love you guys. Don't forget until next time, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you next week. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com. 